here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Stipulation, a TNA podcast. My name is Dr. Nove, and this is the TNA review for the week of June 26. Not the biggest or best episode we have reviewed so far of TNA, and here to help me break it all down in what may perhaps be the shortest episode yet of Stipulation, none other than Brian. Uh, pleasure to be here again. Uh, I'm excited to try to get into this, and I, when I say try, I really mean try. Yeah. This might be a rough one. I feel as flat as the crowd at Bethlehem, Pennsylvania during this second taping this week, and you can feel it. This is a show. Vince Russo recently wrote an article on his website. I'm not trying to do a big plug for Vince Russo or anything, but he was saying that one of the issues with TNA is the limitations of doing multiple shows taping at once. So in this case, we have three episodes being taped from Bethlehem. And you can really feel it on this episode, and it makes me really wonder what next week he's going to feel like. Because you can read the spoilers, and there's a lot out because TNA has taped from now until infinity, but we will still be tackling it week to week. But that doesn't give you a sense of what the crowd is going to be like on any of those given shows. The New York shows I'm looking forward to because those will be pretty energetic crowds, and it looks like they've given us some pretty good stuff. And, And as far as I understand it, those are going to be individual shows. Yes. They're not doing multiple recordings. They're at individual once. nights. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But there's, it could be the same crowd. But yeah, different crowds also as well. I know what you're saying. It's right. different than this Bethlehem scenario. Right. It'll be on different. Yeah. Definitely. And then they used so much of the personnel last week. You're sort of A string. This week is very much the B team. Right. Covering. You kind of got handcuffed. And, and you'll be able to you'll be able to tell really easily uh, uh, the matches fold out to be you know hey this is the b team working some some of them working with the a team uh you know gail kim is working and i'm not going to call her the b team i can't do that no but, no, but no. You, so your your b team is working with some of the a team uh but your hands were tied as far as like uh, well eric young uh austin aries lashley they they all did work not what an hour ago in recording in recording time mm-hmm. uh it was a week ago uh that we saw it but th- this you have to think of that as like this entire thing was just one recording and it's just you brought up the the crowd uh, the crowd was the most amazing thing about the the entire the entire show because last week's crowd was arguably arguably one of the most electric cl- cl- crowds that i've seen yeah uh but then this they was the dropped the belt to Lashley. Yeah, and th- but this is this is just the total opposite. Well, this crowd liked Eric Young, and 
it was probably a mistake to take the belt off of Eric Young in the first episode of tapings. Right. I don't disagree with putting the belt on Lashley in general, but it was definitely a mistake doing it last week versus waiting a week or two weeks. Well, if we're just doing it on reading the crowd, then definitely so. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, if that's if that's going to be your metric, then right. I think that holds. So we start off this episode, MVP is backstage, MVP, Lashley, and Kenny King are dressed up, MVP says, this is our night, they have suits, they're going to have girls, and hit the ring. But before all of that, we get the Beautiful People versus Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim. Pretty good match. Um, I've got a few notes here. Velvet grabs a crowd sign, which is a face move, and the beautiful people are trying to be heels, and I think it's just really important for them to be unlikable during this because the whole point of this match is to reestablish Taryn Terrell. So I didn't like that move. Velvet still gets over yeah. so, so much. She was probably the least talented person in the entire in the ring, but got over harder than... Everyone likes Velvet, you know. Everyone likes for Velvet. their own reasons. Yeah, I'm sure. yeah. It's it's not necessarily for their, her wrestling ability, However but everyone many likes reasons Velvet. Reasons that may be. Yeah, I mean, or many people like Velvet. I guess would be a better way of putting that. Uh, I like Velvet. I, I mean, I'm, okay, really, I'm, not, I'm so like she. I, I, I don't like her as a wrestler, but I do like to watch her. I'm a guy. Okay. But hey, Voices let, of Wrestling has already that. gotten in enough trouble for male chauvinism in one week. Here, we 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 have we have a line to tow, my friend. We have a I, line to tow. All right, so Taryn Terrell has a pretty weak clothesline. Taryn Terrell also gets pretty winded in this match, and this match is not terribly long. She did say she just came back from her uh, from having a baby, a baby right, girl. Right, yeah. Got booed for it. Uh, it so it, this was kind of like a given. It looked like a test match to yeah. see see how far she and could commentary go. Commentary did a good job. She... Hey, I, I, actually, I'll give um, Tanae some kudos this week. He did... More good than harm this week on commentary, and I thought he, he made did. a couple saves. Yeah, yeah. he made a, he made a few saves. One of them here was in this match where he was sort of bringing up the fact that Taryn Terrell was trying to get her cardio back as part of the match, as an element of the match, and whether or not that was intended to be an element of the match. Tanae weaves it in very seamlessly, so I, I give him good marks for that. Gil Kim does a lot of the work and looks really good. She puts on, I think it was a regal cutter. I mean, it was at least a neck breaker, but at one point, I, I think she actually did the crossing of the arms and everything to get that regal cutter move. And good match. It ends with Gil Kim putting Angelina in eat defeat and pinning right. Angelina clean in the ring. And Tara Terrell and Gil Kim stand strong. My only question, really, I mean, it, it was actually a better match than I thought it would be. Sure. Sure. Um, Kudos to to the women's division um, on actually on on both sides on NXT side as well. Uh, I think the women's oh, division okay. made some uh, made some steps this week to do some some pretty good things. I like Becky Lynch. Yeah, right. Yeah, if we're, if we're she go made there, a good sure. debut. She looked really good. Uh, and then uh, minus Terrell, the jigging, minus the jigging. Right. Yeah. Even that I can what live that, with, though? but that was weird. No, it, no, I, I don't like that. Taryn Terrell. I liked seeing her out there, even with. Her getting winded, even with her having some obvious trouble here and there, she carried a decent match. It wasn't bad. Um, Gail Kim didn't have to do all the heavy lifting all the she time. Looks better than Velvet in the ring. She does. Yeah. <laughs> For that matter, she looked better than Angelina. I, I think they're just, they're both so clunky. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, this was just kind of like your weird classic 
sex symbol girls versus the girls who are in it for wrestling in the spirit of competition. Right. right. Yeah. So like, yeah. I, that's why I liked it. it. It was kind of, it had a classic E kind of feel to it. It was, I liked it. It was a good, no, match. it was a simple story. It was fine. It was a short match. And you know, I mean, you can't even star rate. It was just a short TV match, but yeah. anyways, it was fine. Yeah. Well done. So, um, now we get Lashley coming to the ring and Lashley not being able to talk is going to be a problem going forward here. You can just already sense it. MVP is in the back. He's saying stuff. Dixie's in the back. She's saying stuff. She's excited about her play tonight because she thinks that the board of directors are going to come and right all the wrongs. And they are, but not in the way that Dixie expects. And MVP, Kenny King, and Bobby Lashley come out with, we're going to call them women. Ladies. 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 Uh, they are not wrestlers. It does not appear to be uh, their long-term squeezes. They uh, may or may not be there because of MVP's money. I'm just using the words that Taz used. I, they yeah. are there because... M- they're there because MVP is a, quote, high roller. Kenny King had two ladies. Yeah. So they may hands be ladies. He had may his be, hands full. He had his hands full. You could consider them ladies of the night. But yeah. I would not say that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that would make sense in that context. All joking aside, what were they doing out there? I don't know, man. I, you know, what, I don't what understand what, like, what the them? point like, was. We actually sat and discussed this in a serious sense. Of yeah, like, you know, I, I'm not I don't gonna, understand what the point was bringing, all, bringing them word, out. It's, it's neat. Um, I, I'll tell you what, uh, Lashley looked very happy about the whole situation. Well, Lashley's I mean, hot he had off the, a divorce. So, yeah, and yeah. he had the hugest grin that I think I've seen the entire time that he's been in TNA. He uh, made her open up neat. his coat. Yeah, but, that yeah. was neat. He, yeah, to reveal the belt. That was neat. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't read, see the point. You can read into all the sexual subtext of that, yeah, yeah, it was a really tense... So anyways, MVP says they've conquered everything because Lashley is champion. He has once again consolidated his power. And so now he's going to call out Eric Young and he's going to make him want to resign. Eric Young comes out. His arm is in a sling. He says that he can't fight City Hall, but he can tear it down. And then he tears his arm out of the sling, which makes no sense. And then he runs into a group of three guys who are fully healthy and Eric Young is selling an arm injury. Well, not it? fully healthy. I mean, it's basically two-on-one MVP. Well, oh, yeah. But still, he runs into numbers. Yeah, he runs into numbers. I mean, MVP is, yeah, not fully healthy, but he has the weapons and yeah. the crutches. Yeah, so. For no reason, sling. though, he runs once again into the ring. This is like his constant promo now. Like, or, you know, anytime we'll you come out. We'll get into what the constant promo is, because Bobby Roode is about to come out here and cut uh, the constant, oh, yeah. cut the forever promo, the yeah. promo that we've been hearing yeah. for the last five weeks. So, I told you about this two weeks ago, how I'm so sick of hearing this promo, and, and now it's... Now you're going to prepare um, to get more sick of it, my friend. I know. So the crowd is already kind of turning on Eric Young here. They actually call for tables. Yes. They are excited to see the prospect of Eric Young going through the table that had champagne on it because MVP and Kenny King and Bobby Lashley were going to have their big celebration with champagne and women. But then Bobby Roode comes out and makes the save. We come back. Bobby Roode has a microphone. He is cutting a promo. He says that... He and Eric Young share common bonds. They share the bond of signing a contract on the same day with each other, and they share the bond of loving the sport of professional wrestling. 
I guess being from Canada or being on Team Canada didn't make the list. Not nearly as important. Not the big thing that they had in common. But, hey, whatever. MVP comes to the ring. He's getting ready to fire Bobby Roode. But then we get our first appearance of Earl Sullivan Solomon Armstrong Anthony, who speaks (laughs) in two or three word sentences the entire time he is out in front of this crowd. Oh, that was a little bit much there at the end. But yes, this is how he speaks the entire time. It's almost Captain Kirky, but not not quite. It's it's he's very yeah. southern gentleman Captain Kirky in in a, in a weird sort of way and if you saw it, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? It, and he tells MVP that yeah. as of this moment right now as I speak, you are no longer the director of operations right. for Impact Wrestling. Yeah. Earl Sullivan, Solomon Armstrong, Anthony savors that line, milks it for every little bit it's yeah. worth, and he will right come out. Right as MVP's about to fire Rude. Bobby Rude. He comes out and does this. And, and it, you know what? I kind of liked it. I kind of liked him coming was, out. The timing and, was much better than a timing botch later on in the night with Dixie Carter. Right. And Bully uh, Ray's music. But I, I do enjoy... I've been complaining about if you're going to have a board of directors, you need to, have, you need to see direct... I didn't know. I didn't directors. necessarily mean a, a, a representative, a consigliere. That's what I was calling him. The con- <laughs> w, in WCW, JJ Dillon sort of served this role ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Once they started getting the NWO angle yeah. going, I don't hate it. I think the issue becomes when you have too many authority figures. If anything, I would rather there just be nothing but the board of directors, and they would just occasionally make matches. Well, you, you couldn't go... My point being, like as far as MVP went, you can't go down this rabbit hole where you're like, I don't care what the board of directors say. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. Because then, why do you even have the board of directors as a part of a storyline ever? Right. Well, they ha- they ha- if they're going to be in there, then they have to have some sort of power. And you have to see that power. You can't have your director of operations just going willy nilly. I. It, it's that it, it didn't work. It it's didn't work. The line of Chekhov saying that if you're going to write a loaded gun into a scene, someone has to use it at some point. Exactly. And that's exactly. kind of what happened here with the board of directors. We cut to the back, and the menagerie are on the phone with a creditor. They need money, and Nux goes to Crazy Steve. Tells Crazy Steve, yo, Crazy Steve, funny ain't money, bro. Belts is. And you need belts, man. You were so close to being X Division champion here in Arlington, Texas. And you let all of us down here in Arlington. But tonight, you have a chance to go out there and defeat Sonata. But then, in comes Zima Ion. And Zima and Jesse come in and ba-ba-ba-ba. And that sort of silliness ensues. Manic comes out. And we kind of have a, like... Side the back shot of Manic so that you never actually see his face, which I think was intentional and stylistic. You saw enough to where you sure. can kind of tell that you can't tell exactly who it is, I guess, but like you can. You I get, don't think you they've ever idea. been that kind of <clears throat> guarded with the gimmick. I did like that the bromans, or, or specifically DJZ, uh, 
he said that he had talked to Sonata in and strong he, style. He would well, speak no, to Sonata the, and, in strong style. Yeah, and then Nux asks him. He's like, "Oh, you know Japanese?" And he's like, "No, nah, I speak strong style. I speak strong style." That to me was funny. He also I will say that he. I like everything. I, Zima will that. also say that he speaks lucha libre. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a. It's funny. I, I, I know, it's funny I to me every the time. I enjoy the DJZ character a yeah. lot. The stuff they do on TNA Explosion when they have just their backstage segments with like the Bromance and EC3 and Spud, those are all real funny because those guys are very comfortable in their gimmicks. And yeah. they're, well, EC3 is just a weird guy. And Zima's funny in his own weird, different way as well. So I, I this segment was a bit silly, but it worked. And it was certainly nowhere near as silly as all the stuff in the X Division would get in just a short while. But we are going to get there. Dixie Carter is waiting in the back for the board of directors with Rockstar Spud. She wants Spud to go get champagne. Spud always has champagne ready for Dixie Carter. Why can't this man get a raise? Why can't this man get a raise? Well, in all honesty, he is probably the most valuable person. You want to talk MVP. That's your MVP, Rockstar Spud. He helps carry a lot of the segments. I, I, I don't want to go that far. But <laughs> I think that certainly he makes the Dixie Carter stuff so much more bearable than it would be. It's no, am- I, it's I really amazing do like how the guy. Much he, helps. It's, he, he makes her... Um, yeah, it, you can... Not as hard to swallow. I'll just put it that way. So, next, Sonata comes out to the ring. Being cool, being Sonata... I like Sonata a lot. This segment makes Sonata look like a complete and total buffoon. Here's my take on this before we even get into what happens. If the guy can't speak English, fine. Do not put him out here in a situation like this where you embarrass this guy and delegitimize him to the point where this crowd was turning on him with him saying four words three times. He goes yeah. out and attempts to say, and unsuccessfully, you want title match to Crazy Steve, Manic, and DJZ. And he keeps asking all three of them, you want title match in a almost cartoonish, like an earnest attempt. He's really trying to learn the language. But you know what I liked with Sonata? All the stuff that they were doing, the vignettes with the subtitles... And it just made him look cool. It made him look smart. He's a guy who's studying. Yes, he's Japanese. He doesn't speak our language. But, like, he's a a consummate professional. And so you may not ever hear his voice, but you do kind of get a sense of his voice. And when he's talking, and then they have the subtitling and everything, you get that confidence in his voice because he's speaking speaking. Right, you can see that that he's, yeah. This made him look dumb. It made him. It made him feel weak. Or it made him seem weak. I shouldn't say feel weak, but it made him seem weak. He can say is you want title match. He doesn't even know how to actually respond. I don't want to get too far down on 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 the bit because I mean you know. uh, No, I really like Sonata. This he did. He ends up still looking good in the match and doing the same thing that Sonata is going to do in every match. Whether he talks or doesn't talk, he's going to show you that he's worth every penny in the ring. Just not enough work time. And actually, this was not a very good match. And no, yeah, no, yeah, no. This, this, this even, match was actually clunky. clunky. Really strange. Yet another match that, I would define as clunky. Right. Uh, it, it was really strange in that um, 
it starts off and there is no match ex- explanation or reason or anything but like Mike that. But Mike Tanay comes in with the big save here. Right. And Mike Tanay says that because MVP has been stripped of operations, but we don't know who the new director of operations is, Sonata's just coming out here and making title matches for himself. Right. Which is and, a bit silly and, just, and makes me laugh, but you know what? Hey, it works. Let's roll with it. Yeah, it's something had to have been said, or had to be said, because it was just so obnoxious there for a moment where he's pointing around. And even if oh, he spoke... so bad. Here's the problem. Here's the biggest problem. If he, Even if he spoke perfect English, that wouldn't have made sense. The whole thing wouldn't have really made that much. Him being like, oh, you want a match? You you want a title match? You want a title match? You want a title match? All right, all of y'all get a title match because I beat up three people at a time all the time. That's no, but you're saying that, but that's something that Eric Young could totally say, right? Well, it's been done. That but would be, that's not be a, a totally an Eric yeah, Young okay. three weeks ago move. I understand that it's been done. I don't agree with it. Whenever they do it, no, I, I but, never uh, seem to. That's the baby face fighting right. champion going to rumble Whatever. and tumble and you know go out there anyway. Clunky match. Manic, Manic looks good. Probably looks the sharpest in all of this. Does a yeah. real nice high spot off the top rope. Crazy Steve Chant gets going there in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and eventually this ends with Sonata pinning DJZ with a Tiger German suplex. Victory is Sonata's. I, I'm wondering what they're gonna if there's a plan for Manic or if there's or is there something I don't to know do Manic, Manic? long term status. I should he probably do better. Really, homework really good in this with my news or um, who they're keeping on. They have a lot of new additions. If you've been following, right? It, yeah. I will have to get a full list here in the coming weeks of people you'll see on TV, or maybe we won't. We still have not heard back one way or the other from anyone on a position on spoilers. I do not know if we should cover the fact that you know TNA has these taped bookings from here to infinity. We are probably going to be rolling with an After Dark segment at some point, summarizing spoilers when necessary. So after the credits roll, or after the music at the end rolls, if there's more stuff... And you don't like spoilers, you shouldn't listen to it. It's not going to be this week. But I would like to hear feedback, so you can get in touch with the show by dialing 920-7100-TNA. That is 920-7100-TNA, 920-7100-TNA. You can leave your thoughts and feedback about the product, and we will respond to it in our mailbag and call-in segment. We actually don't have any voicemail or email this week. You can also email the show at talktodrnove at gmail.com. That is T-A-L-K-T-O-D-O-C-T-O-R-N-O-V at gmail.com. All right, let's move on from that X Division title match. Yeah, I didn't have much more for for. I don't know. I, I don't know King why it was made that way. That's cool, right. And says, is Enos Stromberg Anderson actually Dixie's lawyer? And I don't know why they didn't reshoot that because it just made everyone look really stupid and it's confusing. And he's not he's not Dixie's lawyer. He's the representative of the board directors and said that very clearly. Whatever. I just that was stupid. That really should have been addressed. It's because it's the first thing that comes out of his freaking mouth. Like, ah, backstage, Bram and Magnus say to the camera, they got a call about a monster's ball. Who did they get the call from? Never explained. And Bram says this is just like their childhood, which makes me wonder more and more what the hell exactly happened during it was like Magnus. It was like old Friday nights. Yeah. Just hanging out. Mom would come home 
from work and smash a bottle over my head and dad would be drunk and throw me into thumbtacks. Throw, yeah. We kept thumbtacks around the house all the time just to throw out in case somebody fell. Or, I would throw or, my or little brother from around. the second floor through a barbed wire plank and he would just go right through it. Crazy flat back bump. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, honestly, like it, it, it's, it's really like strange silly. how like sick they want to try to act now. And and Magnus, as much as like I I, I really enjoy his uh, his banter a lot of times. I I've, I've never really thought of him like as much. And he's a, he's a badass and stuff. But I've never thought of him as like that bruiser nasty boy this uh, dynamic with bram isn't working for me i don't know and, and maybe I, it's it not might supposed be, it to be might, working for it me might, i don't know but like maybe it's not supposed to be clicking with magnus and bram and that's sort of the meta story here and i think that's where we're ultimately going right but like bram should just be a crazy guy doing his own thing and if you want to turn magnus face so that Bram has a guy to, you know, have a feud and rivalry with, do that. Have or have Magnus and Bram be a tag team without all this weirdness. I don't know. It actually I don't want them to be a tag team. That would be me. I already came up over. with a name though. Yeah, Bragness. Bragness. Yeah. I was I can't even come up with a better portmanteau, so I'm not uh, gonna try. Uh, Dixie comes out, she it. talks. People were screaming, no one cares. There's my favorite fan of the night. There's actually three fans of the night that I liked. Yeah. Yeah, there was lackluster booing and thumbs-downing guy. Yeah. There was a guy who had two thumbs-down-ups. Very good and kind of understated. Yeah, boo. Yeah, understated. Keeping those thumbs-downs going. We had this guy, no one cares guy. No one cares, not understated. No one cares guy was very, very passionate about how much no one gives a shit. That was in your face. That was an in your face, no one cares. But then there was... Sad Grandma. My favorite. Sad Grandma. My favorite. She was not enjoying the show anymore. (laughs) She had been here four hours. She had gotten front row tickets to this freaking show. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and people were screaming and booing and probably saying all sorts of awful things about Dixie Carter. Yeah. And calling her a grandma and stuff. And this is this was a very sad grandma. She was not having fun. But it was great that they took time out of this little spot and actually showed that stuff. Yes. And did some camera work. Good went camera out coverage. there yes. and, and and you know Cause you what could gets- sort of see sad grandma in the bottom left of your screen, but they actually went in there and got that got that closer shot oh, yeah. of sad grandma with different angle and she was real sad and that was what made that good. That I liked it, sad it, yeah, it made that a little bit more enjoyable. Once again, like the little things that need to be added into Dixie spots to make it tolerable. Uh, you know, camera footage and rockstar spud. <laughs> you need these things to make Dixie tolerable in any sort of dosage. Which there was way too much of. Uh, Eric Stanton Ambleton comes out and says that Dixie Carter is not the new director of operations. Dixie gets very upset upon hearing this and throws champagne in ESA's face. Yeah. And this is unfortunately the last time we will see Earl Solomon Armstrong the third, the fourth, and the fifth. He shuffles off into the sunset unless, maybe, he comes back at a later date. To relieve the future director of operations. That we will find out about in just a bit. Bully Ray comes out. 
starts threatening Dixie, and Rockstar Spud is covering Dixie. Dixie offers $200,000 to Bully Ray to not put her through a table. Yeah. Dixie offers $200,000 to it, Bully Ray. Here's what's even more... Here's what's even funnier about that. Yeah, she goes through a couple of different offers. She goes through like 50000 100000 ends up at 200000 But she starts the whole thing off by saying something to the effect of, um, come on, Bully, you're all about money. We yeah. all know that. Come on, just take the 50000 100000 200000 And it was... Arguably, for Dixie, this may have been one of her best spots that she's done. This is also stupid writing. Yeah, uh, well, here's... she did decent with it, and I don't. I like. I know. I know. I feel vomit coming up in my throat right now saying that as well. She ended up doing doing decent with the script. Oh my god. Okay. All right. The United States does not negotiate with terrorists. I don't, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to get way political on this right now, but I, I think you might see where I'm going with this. Bully Ray is effectively acting in a terroristic way, threatening Dixie Carter with impending physical violence. Dixie's approach to this is, I will pay off you for not rendering this physical violence unto me. This is this is negotiating with terrorists. Right. And she's not even good at it. Yeah. So what is to stop someone like MVP from cornering Dixie Carter and saying, we're going to put you through a table, and then Dixie Carter has to shell out another $200,000? Well, uh, I mean, you got, know, how is this not assault in the first place? She's got money. It, it, it's fine. I mean, it doesn't it's, matter it's because she's got money. It's wrestling. It's wrestling. It's stupid. And what's stupid is that Bully declines the $200,000 because I guess you don't need it. Right. Time well, for- because the crowd said not to. The crowd said tables. Hey, you know what? WWE is firing and TNA is hiring these days. It's yeah. a weird world we're in. Shenanigans ensue, and Dixie Carter is able to escape from the table, although we unfortunately are subjected to some Dixie Carter cleavage along the way. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I hadn't seen it. I, yeah, I didn't want they, to see it. I mean, that was not a thing I wanted to see. It, the the thing is, like, well, Bully Ray lifts her, li- literally lifts her up, and has her ready to go through the table and everything. And it, there's it pulls her freaking shirt a little bit further yeah, down than yeah. we might want it to have gone. And whenever she gets away, whenever Rockstar Spud flips the table and she gets away, uh, you yeah. All right, I'm done with that now. Okay. Sorry. So next we get the three-minute classic between James Storm and Ken Anderson. James Storm yells at a referee for a one count. This match starts off for about a minute, and I mean, well, actually, let's say, let's be honest, about a minute 30 if I had to time it. Anderson's in control. It's all Anderson early in this match. Anderson goes for a Green Bay plunge and hurts his neck, kind of uh, reeling him. Yeah. Commentary does a nice job putting this over. Yeah, I actually thought good. that this was a nice real booking good. touch, considering the fact that this is a three-minute match and right. just stupidly short. There was so much freaking talking in this week's episode. Or pointless beatdowns, like the Dreamer and EC3 beatdown that goes on much longer than any match that happens. James Storm eventually gets into control. Anderson tries to get a mic check. James Storm is able to grab a rope and counter this into effectively an STO. And then James Storm measures out Anderson for his last call super kick, which he nails. And that is it. James Storm pins Ken Anderson clean. So to recap this completely stupid feud that I hate, 
It started when James Storm came down and interfered in a number one contenders match between Ken Anderson and Gunner, where James Storm inadvertently caught Ken Anderson in the line of fire, but was just kind of a dick about it because he's kind of a dick now. Ken Anderson, the following week, or later, or several weeks later, maybe I don't have my time completely tight on that, eventually takes out James Storm to have drinks to kind of bury the hatchet, but instead of burying the hatchet, like you would if you were a babyface, challenges James Storm to a drinking contest and uses near beer, which somehow miraculously just manages to work out and then beats up James Storm in a back alley. Then we cut to Slammiversary, where Ken Anderson, the babyface, uh, one with help from an entire football team, an entire <laughs> basically the defensive line of the Dallas. The Cowboys. entire defensive line of the Dallas Cowboys helped Ken Anderson to a some, win. Some big boys over James Storm, and then James Storm pins him clean. It's easy to forget who's the face so and Chris, who's the heel. Okay, never mind then. What? <laughs> who's the face? Uh, that's the whole. It's sort of the whole. Point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's the heel? I mean, the heel's obviously James Storm, but yeah, it, it, well, it, they're in New York now, so I think a lot of the problems they've had in Dallas are going to be sort of less prominent as they're in New York. Cowboy can really play up the I'm from the South thing and get some just South and New York heat, but... Uh, okay, I... <sighs> I don't know. As much as I, I also have a, a little bit of a problem with the just the feud in and of itself, this was one of the matches where I think it being a second day thing and or a second recording on the same day. We also day. don't know what they have scheduled for next week. I mean, right. I'm operating they under the not knowing of what's going to happen Both of these guys, week. for the first time, and I stand up for James Storm a whole lot, but both of these guys looked, both of them looked real clunky. Both of them looked overweight. Both of well, actually, James Storm has lost some weight, but he both missed, of them he missed a few. Like, they missed some steps. spots. Yeah, there were some. Also, steps Storm, that were I think, tries to use this. He. he he makes sure every time he has a match, he wants to use the, his new little uh, uh, rope kick. Yes, uh, I like that rope kick. But Kenny it, King it looks also real does good, it too. right? But that's my problem. But here's the thing: it looks real good, right? He missed but that that's whole spot like to the, get to the setup of that, right? It, it was real clunky trying to get over there, and he just kind of wanders he over going and, outside of the ropes. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, that, that was weird. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, I is he? They get, got cut are they time? getting old? I don't, man, it, it, they looked old today, dude. And I don't like. I I stand up for both of these guys all the time. In fact, I've. I think this is actually this heel turn has revitalized the James Storm character that was getting really stale over the last I, six to eight months. Maybe. Whereas Ken Anderson, I think, was in a much better place as a character coming out of the Bully Ray feud for his kids and. When they resigned him, he said that they had his character at a good place, and I agreed with him at that point. Whereas now, Ken Anderson has been relegated to the jobber for the stars, and I don't think that that's necessarily bad, but it seems weird to give this guy a big old extension if you're going to start grooming people for the future and you're not going to put the belt on Ken Anderson, and I wouldn't put the belt on Ken Anderson at this point. I don't, there's not a reason to. No. I don't know. I'm just saying that this this was. It seemed like a real telling match to me, where it was like we're we're not going to take a whole lot of time. We're not doing a whole lot here. We're trying to end a storyline. This it was a real just. Let's come on. Let's trudge through this. 
Well, I, I don't know. You know, they had to cut time because we had to find out that Sam Shaw is going to be released from the psychiatric ward, but only if Gunner, this guy who he works with at the place where he had all of the major mental issues and his mental breakdown. Where they wrestle. Where they wrestle. <laughs> they wrestle. And where he has <laughs> problems with people, including Ken Anderson. Yeah. Only if Gunner, his new friend, is his ward. Can Sam Shaw be released? Sam Shaw is asked if he is okay with this. Yeah. And it turns out that crazy people, like prisoners, like the idea of not being confined. Freedom. 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 They like yeah. that notion. There's a value there. Uh, <laughs> what about Christy Hemi? What, ab- what about this poor, poor woman? This poor woman. Sam Shaw is free. He's out. Surely nothing will go wrong this time. I just... Gunner's in charge. Gunner's in charge. He's yeah. he's guy. He's got this. this I think good. it's part of the the deal. He can only get out if he's part of Gunner's um, tag team. Right? I can't wait to see Sam Shaw crush somebody's throat with his mind power. No, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be so good. Storm uh. and Sonata run into each other backstage in the Sonata embarrassment tour. <laughs> <laughs> as as that rolls on through tonight. And Storm says that Sonata is a coward, and is he going to be ballsy enough to cash in his X-Division title? And Sonata, because he can't say anything else than you want a title shot or a title match, just kind of steps up on James Storm and then doesn't do anything. And James Storm doesn't do anything. And maybe we'll be getting a little bit of a program between James Storm and Sonata. And if that is something we're getting going forward, I like that because Storm... Needs some fresh opponents. This Ken Anderson angle. Yeah. I believe we've covered in great detail why I don't like this Ken Anderson angle and why I'm very done with it. I I think it's stupid to have this 50-50 booking, but whatever. They both got out of it. It's out of nowhere. Um, The James Storm and Sonata thing, it's kind of just out of nowhere, out of left field or out of right field. I I don't know. They got to be careful where they take that. I'm not upset about him do them having a program together it's just it kind of came out of nowhere i don't understand it entirely i don't understand why storm is trying to tell him that he trying to tell sonata that sonata should go for the championship well because he can cash in his x division title i get and then that would result in him vacating right x division title which would give james storm a shot at it i don't understand how he's gonna talk him into that though i thought the obvious question is why doesn't james storm just ask say a sonata who's giving out Title shots like they're candy. Yeah. Wasn't just asking for a title shot. Yeah. Hey, can it's, I whip your it's ass? Weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and he also, and then he's like, uh, "I know more about you than you think." And, and that was really awkward. I didn't understand what that was about. I, I hope we get James Storm the Night Stalker. Yeah, like yeah. James Storm. James Storm the, follows you while you sleep. James Storm <laughs> the ex freaking Navy SEAL or some. He's I hanging out with Sam Shaw and he's watching where you live. Wants to know your location. Just like Sam Shaw used to want to know. So we get shameless promotion Tommy Dreamer in a House of Hardcore jacket attacking EC3. This goes on longer, and I'm not joking, than at least one match. I'm pretty sure it goes on longer than the beautiful people and Taryn Terrell and Gail Kim. It very well might. But this goes on at least as long as the James Storm and Anderson match. Probably longer than that beautiful people's match. And it's a whole lot of trash cans and punching and punching in trash cans and 
Tommy Dreamer's got a House of Hardcore jacket. Eventually, that House of Hardcore jacket comes off to reveal trouble. What's under it? What? What's under that? What's under that? Yeah. Dr- What's under that? House of Hardcore. Oh, House uh, of Hardcore shirt? Who, this is not a plug for oh, House of Hardcore. Amazing. This show, this appearance on this show is not a plug for Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore. You took way more notes on this than I did because I was busy beating Stan Hansen in Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, <laughs> which I was able to do uh, before this beatdown, which had nothing in it completed. Yeah. You know, really, here's the only thing I did. I, I mean, yeah, I took, I did take a lot of notes. No, no, what you got, though? Uh, um, basically, what it comes down to is, yeah, he, Tommy Dreamer comes out, and he's going to beat him, beat him, beat him all the way to the to the ring. Oh, my God, beat him, beat him, beat him all the way to the ring. And drinks trash water on the way there. That's amazing. Thank you, Tommy Dreamer, for taking water out of a trash can that you dumped on EC3 and drinking it. I don't understand why. He's hardcore. Yeah, I know. He's hardcore. He's hardcore. He's hardcore. They go around and around and around and around, end up in the ring. Here's the only... There's two things that I, that matter, okay? Uh, Al Snow and the refs end up coming in and breaking everything up. Okay, great. That's how everything ends. Here's the main thing that I think that I thought of while I'm watching all of this. If Tommy Dreamer... Tommy Dreamer's a well-known, well-respected guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and hardcore. You know, he's hardcore. Let, let's, yeah, let's, you know, not beat around the bush. He's hardcore. EC3's last match was with, last real match was Bully with Ray. Bully Ray in yeah. a hardcore match. He's getting some, like, serious respect from some old-school hardcore guys right now that really don't, normally take time out of their days to help the you know what i mean like i'm not going to do something for you unless you're going to work hard type guys like man i'm blanking on what ec3's real name is but back when he was Derek bateman in wwe he got a lot of respect from john cena this guy just seems to have the respect of a lot of veterans in the industry and i I do think that he is a blue chipper right you could tell the way he was working with him and the way things were going on Tommy Dreamer was extremely comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, EC3 mm-hmm. was comfortable being thrown around and doing. He, he took charge a few times. There was, it was a neat back and forth. It he's was unnecessary. Getting, None of this was necessary. He's getting a chance to work with a lot of the legends of the exactly. business. Exactly, that's the thing that him. I took from, from it more than anything else. And I do see EC3 steadily getting better. My concerns yeah. for. A, a, this guy whose name eludes me is that maybe he is not getting a chance to develop as much um, technically because the TNA style doesn't really require a lot of technical stuff. I think he's a good storyteller in the ring. The you know match that he had with Bully Ray was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty so far match. as like as far as like the hardcore matches that he, he does that and hardcore really well. stuff he that he's that been doing here lately. Well. He he, I'm fine with it. Yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't bad. Anything else to say no, about this? No, it wasn't this? bad. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. It was horrible. It was unnecessary. It shouldn't have been there. But as far as what happened, cool for EC three. You got to work with somebody. Yeah. Day. Well. Well. He's going to get more work with exactly Dreamer down the road and that's, here. That's obviously. All. But we haven't gotten there yet. But yes, it was brutal in the sense that um, it was really long. But I also did beat Stan Hansen and progress and <laughs> kept the streak alive. Dude, you know, you got to keep your eyes on the prize, man. Okay. We cut to Willow and Abyss backstage. And they say that they're excited for the Monsters Ball. 
I have sort of noticed that Jeff Hardy is more comfortable talking in the Willow character than he seems to be talking in the Jeff Hardy character, which is hilarious because the Jeff Hardy character is especially just supposed to be kind of an amped up version of Jeff Hardy, who I guess has a hard time speaking. But if you talk with a little bit of a ring to your voice... Apparently, it makes the Well, and evidently, happen. he likes doing it with Abyss, too. Yeah. There, it, there was kind of some chemistry, and I don't like that because I don't want there to be chemistry. I don't want them to be... I, Abyss I, need, would need different ring gear for it to work for me long-term, because right now, they still do look like the odd couple. Right. But if Abyss changed his ring gear to a more black-and-white color scheme, I think that would make him look kind of more monstrous and also fit him better with Willow. Yeah. I was thinking about this during the match, but Abyss spent most of this match sitting outside and chilling around waiting. And sometimes it was just him outside the ring selling. And then eventually he got handcuffed to the side of the ring. Willow does almost everything important in this monstrous ball match early on. Lots of good Jeff Hardy action. Hey, if you like Jeff Hardy as a wrestler, he's having a pretty good year here in 2014. It's not, you know, the Christian and Hardy boys and the edge, all that stuff going on. But it, it, Jeff Hardy's having a pretty decent year in the ring as this. Willow you lose character. track of it because he's Willow. Yeah. Um, and, it's easy to, it, it's, you, you see all of the, um, will she be coming to the ball? And you know, politics, politics, all of the politics. And, and, and you, you know, Concerns. None of those are willows. You know, oh my God, you get us. lost in all of that. That this guy is a veteran. He is Jeff freaking Hardy, and he's a lot bigger than he's ever really been. He still puts on a really good show. He's very. In fact, whenever at the beginning of this, uh, as I was going back over all of my notes and everything, the subtitle that I put was like riding the horse because that's all they did through all of these matches. They just kind of rode a horse through each match. Yeah, it was fair. either Manic or Gail Kim or Jeff Hardy or whatever. It was, and that's that's what they did. They just they Jeff Hardy made people look up better than they should have looked. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Magnus is pretty solid. I, well, he, he made Abyss look a little bit better. He's a solid B plus. Abyss. There was a weird was thing. Was being saved for later on in this match. Well, even then, he was supposed to be like a hot tag, basically, in, in this. What would be like a hot tag? Yeah, like, yeah, he's in, uh, yeah I guess. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Because Jeff's in there by himself sure, and needs somebody. Sure. And, and, and when he breaks. is being handcuffed to the. When he side breaks row. out of the handcuff, yeah. he's supposed to come in there. He That doesn't happen. He lame ducks when he comes in and goes for like a, a choke slam. Gets his legs taken out, and he still gets the choke slam on Magnus. He ends up later on of expectations, right? He ends up doing that later on, but during this is when he's supposed to come. Willow ends up jumping up with a kendo stick and saving that moment. Whenever that was supposed to be his, his, that was supposed to be Abyss's moment to come in and and take care of the match, and uh, you know, a couple of choke slams or something like that. I think that's the plan. That's what it looked like. Because they end up going back to it whenever they pull Janice and all that. and Yeah, he made some other people look good in that match. Easily. No, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, but to your point, Jeff Hardy definitely does all of the crazy and awesome spots in this match. Yeah. Which culminated, to me, the high spot. Jeff Hardy is on the top ropes getting ready to do a swanton. 
I don't know what he was getting Probably. Ready to do. That's what it looked like. Yeah, that's it what was it looked scary. like. But Magnus throws a chair at Jeff Hardy's head, yeah. and then Jeff Hardy goes from the top rope through a barbed wire board, which is suspended on a guardrail and the side of the ring, and breaks through this, narrowly avoids hitting the guardrail, and is just stuck on barbed wire on yeah. the ground. Yeah. Looks like that really fucking hurt. Yeah. Looks like that really fucking hurt. That crazy bump. Crazy bump. Yeah, that was People that was big. May that or may and, not remember that bump, but I'll tell you what, that that is a crazy bump. That and and actually when he when Abyss pulled out Janice in in the very in the middle of the match or whatever, those were the two bumps in the in, in the match. Yeah. In well, a, actually, no, the tax in bump. once again the, a the stale bump. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But even that, I, I mean, so. all of them Magnus were stale. Sells that like a motherfucker. He's great during that. Yeah. Yeah, it, I just well, sell there, and that's he awesome. did have a, a nice hard sell. And then, of course, we get the Janice to Abyss's abdomen, which is nicely shot and sort of covers up the camera angle. And there was one note that I have, which is that Abyss's batting average with Janice, considering it's his weapon of choice, <laughs> is like what? It's baseball season. We're getting close to the All Star break. Here. I, I, don't know. I, I cool might give him like a zero point oh two one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Point oh two. You know, I don't know. Point zero zero two. It's not good. Yeah, nothing nothing great. On the other hand, Bram is coming into the league and batting 1,000. Yeah. Yeah, all-star team. Yeah, it was nicely sold. There were a lot of really good sells. Just like like you were saying, Magnus sold the tax really good. He got the, uh, uh, what was choke slam. He got the choke slam. He was mm-hmm. going after mm-hmm. Abyss with Janice. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting choke slammed and uh, sold the hell out of those tax. And then the actual, whenever Bram does it, if you don't watch it five times like I did, <laughs> it looks amazing the first time through. You're like, wow, that dude just got hit in the stomach with a nailed up piece of wood. Like, that's insane looking. And now after you watch it four or five times, you see some angles and some ways that they took advantage of things. But Bram did a good job with that. Uh, Bram sold a lot in this, too, as far as, like, blood. Because remember, he, he, had, got, he got the he, gash on his head. Bram, dude, that Bram's is gone. Really, but it, here's, he's here's, willing to work. Yeah. It's gone halfway through the match. Oh. He comes out and he's just like, all of a sudden, where did Bram get this blood from? He just stumbles in from out of nowhere, and they're like, uh, he's got blood all over his head. Oh my god! And within, he has it at the end of the match. A third, yeah. But if you look at the end of the match, it's like all sweated off, and it doesn't look Uh-oh. like blood anymore. It's, and it's just, just like a kind fake of this blood capsule. Yeah, it, yeah, which is hey, it's fine. Whatever. Whatever I, I, get I honestly it. don't even dwell that much. Yeah, I, I don't things. either. But it, it was just, it was really funny the way he came in from out of nowhere. I was more concerned about that because you didn't get to see him get hit really in a way that would bust open his head or. Anything like he was out of the ring and Abyss was out of the ring and they're like, oh, my God, Abyss got Janice. And this was the moment that you see Janice. You also see um, Bram Bram go into the ring with blood on his head all of a sudden. It was just an awkward moment, but whatever. It it wasn't a bad match. No, no, it wasn't a bad match. Considering I don't really like hardcore matches, I actually thought that this was a pretty decent one. Uh, Yeah, Abyss did more than I expect of him. I don't expect much of Abyss most days. He did more than I expected of him. Uh, 
Bram and Magnus, Bragness, they they did well. Uh, like I said, Bram was all right. Like whatever, dude. Bram, the Bram character, him just being this crazy dude. Yeah, from he's Britain, nuts. He, he's, I actually would be totally fine with that. I just it's weird. I don't to understand have to the Magnus re- mix. Reverse engineering Magnus's entire childhood yeah. to somehow make it fit inside this paradigm of Magnus is what I have an issue yeah. with. It's but it's huge to. Or I'm sorry, Bram. It's what I have an issue. Yeah, with. it is huge. I'm glad you said something about Jeff Hardy, though, because it is huge to just remember. Because I he's doing good work this year. He I, is, I mean, and, and I and I just want to sit back and laugh at him and make fun of him. But like he's he's done really really well, and he did well and and turned on the the. Uh, the fans on a night when they weren't getting turned on at all. No, so no, this I, is, I mean this, second this night, second a highlight recording. In the show. However, terribly placed because next Edward Stanton Abramson comes out and says that your new general manager, the director of operations for TNA, is none other than Kurt Angle, which I believe we were speculating last week, and yeah. it may it just makes sense for all the reasons we kind of went down with the Bound for Glory thing, which. All right, spoiler alert. You have like five seconds. On Bound for Glory, if you're looking at these tapings and you're looking at the schedules, it's very obvious that there is not going to be a Bound for Glory series this year anything akin to the ones in years past, if at all. So we did look at Bound for Glory last week. However... If you look at these spoiler results, which we're not going to get into any further than that, it does not seem like there is going to be yeah, a it's just, Bound for it's Glory not tournament. Gonna nor- They're just going to go to Japan. It's not going to follow your show. normal format. So, so there you go. There you go. Yum. Anyways, Kurt Angle is now your new general manager of TNA. MVP comes out. And he starts threatening Kurt Angle. He says he hopes Kurt Angle has control of his demons. I, I don't know. Is Kurt Angle in danger of another relapse? Yeah, I, that yeah. was what he was playing. That's at. what it seemed yeah, like. The, that was a really that obnoxious, was a weird thing odd statement. To do. It was a weird thing to say. Bobby Lashley desperately needs to borrow some of Kenny King's facial expressions because he does not have any of his own during this. Bobby Lashley has the raised eyebrow and the stone face. Bobby Lashley. This is what's so funny about this storyline. He is exactly how they are going to book Brock Lesnar. He's actually going to be a better version of the booking of Brock Lesnar that WWE is probably going to be going with here in a few months when WWE puts the belt on Brock Lesnar. Which well, is what maybe, it looks like. That's what it looks like they're going towards. Certainly it looks like a Possibly. big event centered around him at SummerSlam. I don't and really he's like booked a whole for lot that has Night of Champions. What? I don't really like a whole lot that has to do with Brock Lesnar. No, and then you'll love Bobby Lashley. Yeah, but I do like Bobby Lashley. This works, and I think it makes some sense to have this guy as your champion, whether people like it or not. I I certainly think that Eric Young should have had the belt for longer. It was doing him some good. It certainly revitalized his character, and I think he was growing into the role. So Kurt Angle essentially gives this like TNA apologizing for itself promo, which is yet another promo that we are becoming quite accustomed to. Last week was Tommy Dreamer telling us why everything we've been watching on TV has been shitty for the last several weeks and how he sits at home as a viewer and hates the things that he watches on TV in a general sense. Kurt Angle says how they have come out and gotten away from wrestling and apologizes for getting away from wrestling and how things are going to reboot. I have this written down as TNA quote, doing a dominoes, 
which is what it's called in the business world ever since Domino's did their marketing campaign in the middle of the last decade where they were like, hey, guess what? Our pizza sucks. We're really sorry that our pizza sucks. Yeah. We got the memos in and it turns out our pizza sucks. Yeah. You, and, you know, they read all this. They did all these commercials and they, you know, in all fairness to Domino's Pizza, they have done a lot to improve and completely alter their product since that time. They're better than they were. Right. I, and, I, you know, yeah, there is part of me that wonders, is that what you're doing right now? Are you really trying to change the brand? And if they are, and if part part of that is bathing yourselves in the waters of we've been really fucking stupid, I'm fine with that. I'm not convinced that that's what's happening no, here. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I wish it It'd was. It'd be neat. If, but... if Dixie Carter was going away from television, it would certainly be a real step in that direction of, yes... We admit that we made this big mistake. We have made a mistake. We need to get back to wrestlers wrestling and doing more wrestling. But I am looking at this show, and I am not seeing more wrestling. I am seeing less wrestling. There were four matches, and none of them were technical matches. None of none of them were like really well done technical matches. They were all they, just to some serve storyline purposes, right? except for the some of them and were Abyss stuff, right. which was like almost to finish a storyline in a way. I did love the end of this thing though. Where it, it kind of just Bobby Roode and Eric Young come out and I find out that Bobby Roode's really awesome theme song has been butchered and my heart breaks. Yeah, that was my favorite part. That was your favorite part? Yeah. Because you were telling me about your heart and it'd be broken and all yeah. like that. To me, really, the coolest part was the fact that he went and they did the same thing again and they brought out Rude and they brought out EY and they're like, hey, EY, you're going to have a match with Lashley. Right. Hey, Rude. With his bad arm. With his bad arm. With his bad and, arm. And Rude, you're, gonna, you're reinstated. And okay, since you're reinstated and you've got a match, y'all are going to rush the stage and you're going to take your arm out of your sling again and everything. I, I don't know. I, Anything so much else? Eric on, Young with no arm in a sling. Yeah, no arm in a sling. Your arm's in a sling. It's injured right now. Now it's not. Whatever. Worst I, he, injury selling of the year so far. Yeah, he didn't try Worst too hard. Worst injury selling of the year so far. I'm not even exaggerating. I don't I, know, man. That I, was I, that just terrible. Like that made me made me roll my eyes a lot. It, we had a little too much yuck yuck Eric Young, and either you have an arm injury, you don't have an arm injury. Either the MVP team did damage to his arm last week or Bobby Roode made the save. Just make your mind up, but they sort of split the baby on that arm injury angle and it just all came off really, really silly. My my only true take from this is um, next week is going to be a much bigger show. You got the A team. Hopefully this is going to be. I hope. This is no. This is what I, I'm saying. I'm. This is my bold prediction. It's going to be a much better show. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That's that's my big take. Ladies and gentlemen, please get your calls in, and you can of course visit and get great TNA content on VoicesOfWrestling.com, the flagship show of Voices of Wrestling. Talked a little bit of TNA running Japan and Korakuen Hall, and Dylan has his TNA review up on the website. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris C H R I S N O V E M B R I N O. You can hit me up on Twitter. Tell me why I am wrong. Tell me why I'm right. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you didn't like. I don't care. Do whatever you want. Or don't tell me anything at all. Or you can tell me your deepest, darkest secrets. Probably don't do that. I don't really want to hear any of that stuff. Don't want to know you like that. 
You can call the show. That's 920-7100-TNA, 920-7100-TNA. And we will be back next week. Just a heads up, the show will be coming out more on a Friday-Saturday schedule for the next couple of months at least because I am doing a few different things at work and I'll be working on Thursday nights. So I will be getting to view TNA either late Friday or early Friday morning when I wake up in case you were that interested. So if you are wondering where the show is, why it's not out early on Friday, that is why. If you want to hit up the show, please do. And until the next one, cheers. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.